Well, let's celebrate being at church together this morning. Welcome, everybody. Uh, so good to see you. You made it. It's always a celebration when you get here, right? Uh, I know there's always some opposition just getting to church, and so we just want to celebrate being together and uh, love you guys, love you on online family, really excited about where we're going uh, in this next year. Uh, lots of excitement, and, and I don't want to get moving forward too quick, you guys. Last year was awesome. You guys, we just threw a massive party for our city. That was so cool. This huge fireworks show, loved it. Uh, who's at the fireworks show? Raise your hand. Okay, almost everybody in the room was there. Uh, just so much fun, and on, we saw the largest crowd we've ever seen just gathering at the fireworks show. And at the end, uh, many of you maybe kind of heard this. There was almost like a surround sound applause from like down the loop road, down to the old Glen. Like, man, it's just so cool that we get to just serve our city in this way. And if you're like, why would a church do that? Maybe you're new uh, to ACF. Uh, we have this vision that it would be in Alaska as it is in heaven. And we didn't just make that up. That's uh, Jesus' words. He taught us to to, to really pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. And so uh, that's praying that the kingdom of God would come to earth. And you guys need to know the kingdom of God is a party. Like it's a party. And so we believe the church should throw the best parties. And in that, we give people a vision for eternity. And, and besides that, we just love to serve our city and enjoy one another. So just really, really excited about that. Um, if you're new and you don't know kind of who we are, that's our, that's our vision. We also have this mission. And, and our mission is to amplify the grace of Jesus to the churched, the unchurched, and the dechurched. So I would guess you probably find yourself in one of those categories. You know, maybe you're here and uh, you're new to the church family and, and, and to Christianity. Maybe you're not a believer yet. Others of you uh, are new to Alaska. You're finding a church home. And, and still others of you have been pretty wounded uh, and, and kind of have some church hurt and some church wounds. But uh, we just want you to bring your whole self here. And uh, just so you know, this is a place to ask questions and to work through all of that. Uh, so that's kind of our vision, our mission. And then, and what do we exist to do? And we have these four things. We say we exist to see lost people found, found people grow, growing people trained, and trained people mobilized for the kingdom of God. Amen? So uh, if you're like, I didn't write all of that down, that's all on our website. But I just want to give you a picture. Like, this is who we exist to be. And, and the reason is because I believe that God's taking us to some places this next year where we're going to have to know who we are as a church family. Like, I believe God's going to draw us out and stretch our faith in some new ways. In fact, there's a scripture that I've had on my mind for 2024, and it's Acts 16.5. It says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And we've seen over the past few years just an increase in numbers, but that, that's not really the thing that, that creates it. It's really the faith that the church has. And, and what you need to know is that like, God wants the church to grow, right? Like a growing church is a, it's a healthy thing. It's a good thing. God wants to reach more people with the kingdom, but the church doesn't grow apart from our increase in faith. And so without an increase in faith, I don't think, I don't think we're going to reach more people. But as we know who we are and operate out of who we are as uh, those who are in Christ Jesus, we're going to see an increase in the way we live in faith, which will result in reaching more people. Don't you, want, don't you want to see your friends here? Don't you want to see your family members, your coworkers uh, develop a relationship with Jesus? I know I do. And so that's going to take acts of faith, and, and it's going to mean leaning in this next year. And um, so again, I don't know where you're coming at this thing from today. Maybe uh, you're from another church, and you're just kind of like, what's going on at ACF? You're kind of here for the show. Like, what, what's, what's happening? Um, I just want to tell you, like, if you don't plan on engaging and, and leaning in and giving your whole self, like, we need your seat. 
that's probably too harsh. We need, you know, like, here's the deal. Like, we need the room. We, we want to be people who are on mission together and going somewhere. So, so this is my invitation. Bring your whole self to church today. Like, be fully present. Uh, join an ACF group where you're actually going to help people understand who you are. And you're going to be real, right? Not a superficial relationship, but you're going to be confessing sin and challenging one another and growing together. This is who we're going to be in 2024. And some of you are all like, I'm out, and that's fine. But this is where God's taking us as a church into places of great faith. And here in a few weeks, we've got some big announcements for where God's going to move our church, and I'm so excited about it. So anyway, uh, we are starting a brand new series today, and we've been walking through this conversation about a deeper life since the fall. We believe that God is, is inviting us to the deeper life. And a deeper life is not an, uh, an inward life. Like, we're not just going deep to, to gain education or to understand the Bible more. We're actually going deep so that we can live these things, so that we can serve our city better and love each other better. Because that's really, that's really part of the deeper life. Both to love God and love people really well is the deeper life. And so today we're, tar- we're starting a series, The Deeper Life Through Identity. And I've entitled today's message, Getting Free from What People Think. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? I'll I'll tell you what, like, I have always struggled with what people think about me. You know, wanting to impress people, wanting people to see good things in my life. And I think that we've all found that before. And I would say that our culture and our, our world today really has an identity problem. At the root of so much of what's dysfunctional in our families and in our society is the fact that we don't know who we are. Are. Kind of an illustration of this. Um, have you ever run into a famous person before? Some of you have stories of like, oh, I remember, you know, when I saw Morgan Freeman in the airport or something like that. Um, I haven't had too many of those. I can remember one time where uh, when I was first a, becoming a worship leader, I went to this conference down in Waco, Texas. And uh, during one of the uh, gaps in the schedule, I was just visiting some different churches. And I visited this church and was just walking through the hallways, kind of checking the place out. And looking at different things, and I walked by a doorway, and I looked in the doorway, and I saw a couple people that in the church world, in my mind, are pretty famous. So one of the guys, uh, you might know the name David Crowder. This guy named David Crowder, he's a Christian musician, very well-known guy. He's sitting there at a piano with another guy named Louis Giglio, also a pretty well-known pastor. Um, And so for me, I looked in that room, and I was like, oh, I turned into like a 16-year-old at a Taylor Swift concert, right? I was just freaking out, and my, my heart rate went through the roof, and Lest you think I'm name dropping to to show how cool I am, I made a complete idiot of myself. So I look in the room and they kind of, they stop what they're doing and they look up at me like, say something stupid. And I'm just, I'm frozen. I'm frozen in time, you know, like my heart's going through the roof, right? I don't know what to say. And so all I say is, sup. (laughs) It's literally all I said. And I walked off. Total idiot. I'm just telling you what, like. But I was thinking, like, what is it in those moments where you see somebody famous? You've seen them before, right? You've seen them on movies. You've seen them online. Like, you've seen them before. What is it in that moment? Here's what I reflected on and what I realized is that it wasn't that I wanted to see him. It was that I wanted him or them to see me. I wanted to be seen. And what you need to know is that um, this kind of reflects some dysfunction in our identities. Like, what is it? about being seen by a complete stranger that had the power to somehow affirm my existence as a person. 
And this brings up some cultural values that we see uh, with our issues of identity in the world today. The first is that being seen. This is a huge value. This is something we talk about as uh, a church staff and as, as uh, serve team members. We, we know this. People want to be seen. You're here today, and if you're brand new to ACF, you just wandered in today, you probably have one question. Do they see me? And maybe the deeper question that you're asking, and it's a good one, is this. Does God see me? And the answer is yes to both. We see you and God sees you. We're thankful that you're here, and more than anything, I want you to know that God is thankful that you're taking a next step. Even if you're not yet ready to call him your Savior and your Lord, he is thankful that you're taking a next step. He sees you. Now that's a good thing to want to be seen, but here's what it's turned into is a need to be seen. In other words, if you don't acknowledge my existence, I don't know who I am. If you don't acknowledge what I did in my job, then, then I don't know that I'm doing the right thing. I don't know that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm in the right place. And so there's sort of this like need to be seen in the world around us to affirm our identities. The next is this um, being affirmed. This is a huge value. Uh, the greatest sin, I would say, in our society is this, to tell someone that you disagree with their life. This is like a no-no, right? <laughs> right? Uh, you cannot tell someone that you disagree with their life. Really, the options are this. You affirm me or you hate me. There's no in-between. And so because we don't, need, don't know who we are, we need everyone to affirm what we do, affirm what we think. And so that is a major value in the world today. The next is this, being yourself. This is of the utmost importance for our society. In fact, uh, there's a guy named Charles Taylor. He calls today the age of self. We live in the age of self. We live in the world of customized Starbucks orders, right? Uh, customized Spotify playlists. Uh, I want to get in my car, or push a button, and I want the seat right where I want it, right? Like I want a world tailored to myself. And in this society, kind of the message is this. You kind of, you need to just become you, right? Just become yourself. The problem is sometimes myself is really dysfunctional. Can we agree that like when I become myself, it's a really dysfunctional self, and what it's led to in our society is something called expressive individualism. And expressive individualism says this. It says the purpose of life is to find one's deepest self and then express that to the world. Forging that identity in ways that counter whatever family, friends, political aff aff affiliations, previous generations, or religious authorities might say. I can hear like Elsa from Frozen giving a standing ovation, right? Like, just, just you do you. You become you. Be set free from all of those things. Just be yourself. And this has led to some rules. There's some kind of like, sometimes they're spoken, but mostly unspoken rules when it comes to these values that exist. The first is, don't be offensive, right? Just don't offend anyone. The next is this, you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, right? Have you heard that before? Like, that's kind of the, the value and the rule in the world. Just do whatever you want. Behind closed doors, do whatever you want to yourself, but just don't hurt anybody. And the last is this, you live your truth and I'll live mine, right? We'll just sort of coexist, living our own truths, and uh, that's the world we live in. Here's what I'm here to tell you today. Um, this is our society, and it's not working. It's not working. People are more dysfunctional. Families are more broken. There's more divorce, right? People are more depressed uh, than ever. People are more anxious than ever. We're on more pills than we've ever been for anxiety, and once again, like, 
This is a growing issue that's coming from somewhere, and I'm just confident that it's coming from this reality. We don't know who we are. So I want to ask you this question today. I want you to really reflect on this. Who are you? If you were to define to me who are you, what would you use? What are the things that you would go to? I think there's a few things that we naturally go to. We find our identity in our opinions, right? Our opinions. Maybe it's political opinions, social opinions, but oftentimes these aren't just thoughts or ideas. These are literally who we are. And here's the deal. When you find your identity in your opinions, you will be absolutely terrible to talk to, right? Right? Because when you find your identity in your opinions, it's not flexible, And I'm going to tell you what, I've had a lot of opinions that are flat out wrong in the course of my life. And I'm confident that some of my opinions right now are wrong. And if I'm not willing to have conversations about those things, then I'm not going to grow, but I can't have conversations about those things because my opinions are who I am, right? Do you see this? You you see this in the church oftentimes, where Christians, their identity is found in their view of specific parts of theology. And so these, these aspects of who God is and how they view God become Uh, their opinions become who they are. And so this is why a lot of people, what they say about Christians is you just can't talk to Christians. You can't have open dialogue with Christians. You can't have conversations. Why? Because we don't find our identity in Christ. We find our identity in our views of Christ or our opinions about God. And we have to be very, very careful about that. We also find our identities in our passions. Like if I asked who you are, some of you might be like, oh man, um, I'm, I'm really passionate about fly fishing, right? Or I really am passionate about hunting. That's something I'm passionate about. Or hiking. It's something that I'm really, really passionate about. So oftentimes our passions become our identities, right? Some of you, it's like going to the gym in 2024. That's your, that's your passion is going to the gym, right? Can we just agree, by the way, like if you're only doing biceps and bench press every single day, you're not going to the gym for health, right? It's like really, it's, you just want to look good for, uh, for the people. So anyway, that's, that's one of those things, your passions. The next is this, our talents. Our talents become who we are. What are you really good at? What if people told you since you were like a little boy or a little, little girl, like, man, you are so funny, right? You are so smart, right? You're so good at figuring things out. And so this becomes, it's a good thing, it's a good gift that becomes a God when it's who we are. You understand that? Like, like that's, what, that's literally what idolatry is. It's when we worship something other than God, and that's the thing that we seek to define us. It's a, it's a talent, it's a passion, it's an opinion. Uh, the next one is families. We find our de- identities in our families, for better or for worse, right? Maybe you came from a really great family and a great upbringing, and you're like, man, that's, that's why I'm awesome, because I came from a great family. And others of you came from really dysfunctional families, and uh, you've got some stories about things that went wrong, and at Christmas, you're like, oh, Brian, it was just a dumpster fire at the Christmas table, like Uncle, Uncle Eddie's screaming at Aunt Susan, and it's just like, it's a brawl. And for you, you find so much identity in that, in a negative way, like you kind of feel like you'll never get out of the shadow of your family. Some people find their identity in their trauma. This is a really big one in our society, and you know, we often try to, try to identify with the things that have gone wrong in our lives. We identify with our mistakes, the things that have been done to us. And oftentimes, I think we even hurt each other because um, we don't help people to work through their traumas. We just identify them by their traumas. Uh, this is why we live in a society where everything has a trigger warning, right? 
Like literally everything has a trigger warning. Like we need a, at church, we might have trigger warnings and you know, like the next box of cereal you might pick up has a trigger warning. Everything's got a trigger warning because instead of helping people to work through their triggers and their traumas, we just say, hey, just avoid that. And, and don't get me wrong, there are real traumas and real triggers, but we don't wanna be identified by those things. Does that make sense? And we see this a lot. I see people come to church a lot of times, and when they walk in, they are being identified by their traumas, identified by their struggles. I remember a few years ago, um, after a church service, people like to say fun things to me after church. It's great. Uh, these two ladies came up, two young ladies, and uh, they walked up and they said, hey, Pastor Brian, we're brand new. And I said, well, welcome. And they said, well, here's the deal. We're married and we're gay. Can we come to church here? And I was like, whoa, okay, we launched right into that. And my response to them was this. I said, I think you're a lot more than that. I said, why don't you start with your names? And they were kind of set back on their heels by that response. They were, because for them, they were coming to church with their trauma. They were coming to church assuming that all we see is that aspect of their lives. For a lot of people, their main identity is their sexuality. It's, it's what they think defines everything about who they are. And so I wonder for you, what is the thing when you come into church that you're like, I think this is what's plastered on my forehead. I think all people see is this about me. I will tell you, whatever that thing is, is probably the thing that you see as your primary identity. So sin is what creates this. Sin is really this issue of not finding your identity in Christ. Soren Kierkegaard says this, sin is building your identity on anything but God. That's sin. It's when we're defined by anything but God, and it's sin because it destroys us. And we, if you're like, man, that sin's a scary word, we shouldn't talk about that, we're going to talk about sin a lot as a church. Because all sin is, it's, it's our dysfunction. It's anything that's out of alignment with how God designed you to be. Sin is the thing that's destroying you. So we're going to talk about sin so that we can be set free, amen? So we're going to be real about that, but man, that's what sin is, is finding our identity in anything but God, and we do it all the time, and it's why we're so dysfunctional. And honestly, man, it's why we're so broken. I've got this box, and maybe you've seen a box like this show up at the door, and you picked it up, and it sounded like this. And you're like, uh-oh, something happened. Somebody shook the box, the fragile box. And I feel like this is a good picture of our lives, is that we are very fragile people, aren't we? We're very fragile people. We can be going through our day, we're happy, life's fine, we pick up our phones, we see some little weird comment on a Facebook post, and it's like, our whole world is shattered. You're doing your job, you think you're doing the right thing, man, you're, you know, plugging away, and your boss comes in, she comes down on you, they're like, hey, you, you, you blew it. You did not reach the standard that we set for you. And instead of it just being about your job, you're shattered as a person to your core, right? You show up to church, right, and somebody says something to you, or, or maybe somebody doesn't say something to you, and you're like, nobody saw me. Nobody said anything. And you're, instead of coming back to church next week and going to put yourself out there and shake some hands, you're like, I'm, I'm broken, I'm wounded to my core. We are a very, very fragile people. So fragile, if you were to define it, simply means this, easily broken. And I think that's what our identities are. And here's what I want to contend, and we're going to be talking about this for the next six weeks, is that you don't have to have a fragile identity. 
is that you can know who you are and you can be anti-fragile in this world. You see, what if you could have an anti-fragile identity? What if you could actually go throughout your day and not be manipulated by other people and their opinions about you? What if you could actually live your life and even make mistakes and still know who you are? This is the promise for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the promise for those who are founded and grounded in Jesus alone. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to spend just a few minutes there. I'm just going to tell you, you got to get into an ACF group. Like, go out to our welcome table. They will help you find the right place, the right group, because we're going to literally skim the surface every single week as we walk through a chapter a week of the book of Ephesians. And if you don't know what Ephesians is, you're like, what is an Ephesians, Brian? Maybe you're not uh, somebody who's read the Bible much. Uh, Ephesians is simply a letter by a man named Paul to the church in Ephesus. In fact, if you were to kind of rename the New Testament, you could rename it Paul's letters to churches he planted. That's basically what the New Testament is. It's a lot of letters to churches that Paul planted. And so he's encouraging them as they live in this society that is a very, very anti-God society. Very much, I've actually been able to walk through Ephesus. It's just, it's an incredible, amazing place to see. It's also a place with a lot of uh, demonic things and, and, and demonic history. Uh, it was the epicenter of idol worship and uh, the worship of different Roman gods. Uh, one of the things in the center of the city was a, was a temple to the goddess Diana. And uh, it was said historically that there were over a thousand temple prostitutes that would be outside that temple. People would have sex with these prostitutes to worship the goddess Diana. Once again, a society that doesn't know who they are is a sexually broken society. Does this sound familiar? Okay, we live in that society. And so that's what it does to the world. And so Paul sees this like depraved, broken uh, people in Ephesus. And what does Paul do? He goes, I'm going to plant a church there. Because that's what, that's what Christians do, right? We find the brokenness. We find the people that don't have uh, freedom in Christ. And we go to them, just like Jesus came to us. So he plants a church in Ephesus. And the first, the, the first half of Ephesians is all about who you are in Christ. And then the second half of Ephesians is going to be all about what to do with that new identity. How do we now live because of that? So we'll start off in Ephesians 1. This is verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So the first step here in all of this, in building an an anti-fragile identity is this, build an identity solely on who God says you are, not who the world says you are. We've got to start with this idea, who does God say we are? And we just read three specific things in this this letter, Paul says, we are blessed, we are chosen, and we are holy. We are blessed, we are chosen, and holy. And can I just tell you, if you get nothing else out of the sermon, and you walked away, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to live this week knowing that I'm blessed, chosen, and holy, it would change your life. It would change your marriage. It would change how how you parent. It would change everything about your relationships. It would change how you wake up in the morning. It would reduce your anxiety. It would change everything, everything. Like, what if you began to just be defined by who God says you are blessed? In other words, you've got a lot more than you realize, right? Maybe you just need to spend some time giving thanks in the morning. 
for what you have. You are chosen. Man, this is a huge thing. I think a lot of our identity problems come from the fact that we don't realize that God chose us. It says before the foundation of the world, before you did anything good or anything bad, God chose you. That's good news, you guys. That's really, really good news. Like, I think, I think all of us are still that kid lined up waiting to be chosen for dodgeball. You know what I mean? You guys know that feeling? You're like, oh, I wonder if they'll pick. Nope. And I'll just, I'll be the first one to say, last chosen to get picked for dodgeball all the time when I was a kid, right? And that's just the reality. Like, we still have this, am I chosen? Am I wanted? He says, before the world was created, you were chosen. And then he says, you know, you're holy. You're called to be holy, but then because of Christ, you were literally called holy and righteous in the eyes of God. What if you built an identity solely on who God says you are? I went on social media uh, recently, and I just asked people, like, give me some of what the world says you are. Give me some labels that people have actually given to you before. And I was reading the list, and um, some of them were funny, and some of them were really heartbreaking. Here's a few of them. I'm going to read these for you. Here's what I heard from uh, some of you. Overachiever, kind, wounded, people pleaser, mother, failure, loser, generous, fearful, overweight, helper, handsome, hypocrite, slut, too offensive, too sensitive, too loud. Someone even said too happy. I don't know. Like, I don't know what that is. What kind of criticism is that? You're, you're just too happy. Stop it. You know? When I read those words, did any of those hit you, like, kind of pierce your soul a little bit? The one that pierced your soul is probably the one that you most identify with. It's probably the one that God wants to set you free from. What's the label that's been given to you that is not a label that God gives you? Whose voice have you made the loudest voice in your life? You see, this should be part of our New Year's resolutions, is that in 2024, I want to make God's voice the loudest voice in my life. And so what would that look like? First, that would mean that some of your goals for the next year should have to do with more than just your physical body or your finances, but should have to do with your soul. Does that make sense? Like, we have a physical body. One day, it's going to get all broke down. Some of you guys are like, amen to that. I know exactly what that's all about. Some of you guys don't think that's ever happening. I promise you it's coming. We have this physical body, but then we have this eternal soul, right? It's going to last forever. And so if all of your goals have to do with your body or your finances and none of them have to do with your soul, I think we found the source of your identity. I think, I think if we're honest, we've got to go like, are we actually trying to make God's voice the loudest voice in our lives in 2024? Here's what I think you can start by doing. I want you to hear the voice of God in the morning before you hear the voice of Facebook. I want you to hear the voice of God in the morning before you hear the voice of TikTok. I think one of the greatest barriers, and I'm going to sound like an old guy, and that's fine. I think one of the greatest barriers to you knowing who you are in Christ is our stinking cell phones. Like it's this thing. It's always there to tell you who you are. And there are a lot of people that are making a lot of money telling you who you are. And once again, no human being should have the authority and the power to tell you who you are. Only God should have that power. Because if you give that to anyone or anything, it will destroy you. So maybe you just need to get off social media for a few weeks. Like, it's fine. It's a good thing. It's okay. Let me just give you permission. You can get off social media. You can even get a dang flip phone, ACF Church. Like, you can do it. 
I empower you to do that. Get off your phones. Spend some time with your family. Spend some time with your, with your spouse, right? Like married people. If you touch your phone more than you touch your spouse, your priorities are screwed up, right? You guys are like, that's too real in church. I, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. Maybe you need to do 21 days of prayer. There's a little pamphlet on your seat. You can start off by hearing the voice of God in the morning, just listening to God. You don't have to say anything, literally. You don't have to say anything. You can just listen to God five minutes a day. It'll change your life. Read the Word of God. Start off reading through Ephesians. It's a chapter a week. Can you read a chapter a week? Give me some nods, please, please, or I'm just failing as a pastor. That's okay, thank you. We can read a chapter a week of the Bible. You can do this. Some of you are like, I can read that every day. Do it. Read it every single day. Read a chapter a day every single day. Get it in your soul so it's the loudest voice in your life. Moving on, Ephesians 1.5. In love, I love that, in love. Uh, the NLT trans- translation says, it gave him great pleasure. It's just, it says, in love, it gave him great pleasure. It says he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Do you know that God took great pleasure in choosing you? That's, that's awesome, right? I think sometimes we envision God like, not like he enjoys us, right? We go, I know he has to love us, I just don't think he likes us, right? Like your picture of God is not like a, a loving father enjoying his children, it's more like a parent that's about to lose it. It's just like, you know, you're not feeling like that's how we view God. Like, man, he loves us because he has to, because he's God, but he, he does not, does not like us. It's like in love, man, it's like he loved to choose us, to adopt us as his sons, as his daughters. What a beautiful, beautiful gift. Think about who's writing this. This is Paul sitting in prison where he could take a victim identity. He could sit there and go, I am my trauma. I am in prison. I hate being in jail. Who's going to enjoy this situation? God must have forgotten me. Instead, he sits here and goes, God loves me so much, and he loves you so much. That's how you know your identities in Christ, is when your world is a total dumpster fire, and you sit there and go, wow, God must really love me. You guys are like, that's crazy, but you know someone like that, don't you? I know people like that. There have been moments in, the, in my life where by the power of the Spirit in me, I have been that person. And I'm just telling you, it's beyond me. It's beyond my own identity and my own stuff because circumstantially, our world's just gonna get worse, friends. And you gotta know who you are. Next thing you need to do is uh, you need to live like you believe you're part of the family. That's how we have an anti-fragile identity is we live like we're part. I'm just waking you up. I'm waking you up here. That's how we have a less fragile, anti-fragile identity is we live like we're part of the family. Like some of you, when you walk into church here, you walk in just feeling shame, like you don't belong. But what you need to know is that, that when you show up here, like you're part of the family. You belong here. Like this is a place to be. This is a place where you, you belong. And, and that, that's a beautiful gift. And when you walk in somewhere and you know you belong, it changes everything right? You can be real. You can be honest. You don't have to put on the church face and smile when things aren't going well because you're part of a family. Like you got friends, but then you got family. And, and it's really amazing when you, when you can just feel the safety of being around family, right? You can, you can be doing well. You can be doing terrible. You can make some mistakes, right? 
Like, this kind of makes me think as a dad, um, parents in the room, do you remember when, like, when the, your babies, like, they were really little, when, uh, when you first got peed on? Any parents remember getting peed on? Anybody? Just me? Okay, no, there's a few of you in the room. Like, I felt like that was a rite of passage as a dad, the moment that my kid peed on me. It was like kind of a big deal, right? Changing diapers, and uh, it wasn't just like a random time. We're changing diapers, and, uh, you know, this happened, and I was like, this is really gross, but they're my kid. And I'll tell you what, like, when we first started having kids, I was freaked out about changing some diapers because I had never changed a diaper before, you know, went most of my life never. But then, like, here's my kid, and I'm like, it's gross, but it's my kid, right? I don't want to change your kid's diapers, right? None of y'all can pee on me. I'm just telling you, like, this is, this is, it's, when it's your kid, it's not, it's gross, but it's like, it's different when it's your kid, right? And, and I'm just, this is a terrible illustration. I'm sorry, but I'm just telling you, it fits when you think about it that, man, what if, like, you could just totally make a total disaster of things this week and know that it doesn't change anything? Like, you're still part of the family. What do you, what if, and, and this isn't like Paul says, we don't sin so that grace might abound, right? We don't go, okay, I'm part of the family, like, you got family members like that? They're like, I know you'll never kick me out of the family, so I'm just going to be a jerk to everybody. Don't do that. But at the same time, know that your foundation and, and your identity is secure in Jesus, and nothing can change that. And if you knew that, if you really, really believed that, you'd walk into church different. You would. You'd show up at your small group different. You'd show up to work on Monday different because you know who you are. doesn't have to be perfect. Live like you know who you are. Ephesians 1.11, this is so important. I want you to say these two words, first words with me. Say it with me. One, two, three. In him, in him. This is so important you understand this. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So when you become a Christian, you now live in him. This is how it works. When you become a follower of Jesus, it's an invitation to come and give up your life. And the reason that so many Christians don't know who they are is because they want to be Christians. They want to give Jesus their shame, but they don't want to give up their life. It's like, Jesus, I want you to forgive me, give, give you my shame, but I don't want to give up my life. You know, you're not living in him. When you become a Christian, there is no you anymore. There's only him. And you will constantly live in shame if you're still living in you. He says, in you, in him, we've obtained an inheritance. We've got all these free gifts that God wants to give us if we're willing to know who we are in Christ and to step into that identity. Ephesians 1.22, Paul goes on, it says this, and he put all things under his feet, him being Jesus, and gave him, Christ, as head over all things to the church. So there's a head of the church. Guess who it's not? Pastor Brian. It's Christ. Christ is head of the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the last way to build an anti-fragile identity is this. Make Jesus the truest thing about you. Make Jesus the truest thing about you. So back to that question, who are you? Back to that word that, man, it just kind of like pierced you when I said it earlier. Whose word is the truest word about you? I want you to think about it. Is it based on what has been done to you? Is it based on your talents? Is it based on your accomplishments, which, once again, like, things change, life changes, people will view you differently. Is it based on something that can be taken from you? Or is it based on the Word of God? 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, From now on, therefore, 
We regard no one according to the flesh. In, in other words, whether it be you or anyone else, when you're in Christ, we don't just look at you and see you. We look at you and see Jesus. We see Jesus in you and all over you. It says, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. In fact, they, they saw Jesus just a man, just a rabbi, just a teacher, or just a, a lunatic, but then he goes to the cross and is resurrected to, to new life. He wasn't just a man. He was God in the flesh. Paul's saying, hey, from now on, not only do we know who we are, not only do we make Jesus the truest thing about us, but when we look at each other, we see the face of God. So that person next to you or that church person that wounded you or that, that person you have an issue with, you don't get to see them for simply what they do. You get to see them for what Christ has placed inside of them. You, you get to see them for who Jesus is. That's how we see everybody in the world around us. And that's how we as Christians can love people that are really messed up. And the reason we can is because Christ first did that for us, right? We go, if God can love me and look at me and see holiness and choose me and bless me, then I can certainly look at others and do the same. I can see the things that are inside of them and love them in that place. Make Jesus the truest thing about you. So what that means is who you are, chosen, blessed, holy, that defines you. So that thing you struggle with is no longer who you are, right? So if you're here today and you've got an alcohol issue, right? You are not an alcoholic. You are a son or daughter of Jesus who struggles with alcohol. Does that make sense? If you're here today and, and you know you've got this anger issue and, and you were freaking out on the way to church today or you were screaming at people on Friday and you're going to go to work on Monday and it's going to be really, really hard and you know you've got just this anger problem, you are not an angry person. You are a son or daughter of Jesus who struggles with anger. Does this make sense? If it's an addiction, whatever that addiction is, you are not an addict. You are a son or daughter of Jesus who struggles with addiction. And if you begin to get your mind wrapped around this and embrace your identity in Christ, you'll start to be set free from those things. God will start to work in those things. And even when you stub your toe and make mistakes, it doesn't change who you are. You're always part of the family. And then ACF Church as a whole, I want to I speak to us as a community. Um, we got to know who we are this next year. As we, as we move forward into the mission that God has for us as a church, we got to know who we are, who he's called us to be, who God says we are. Because when we know who we are, we will be set loose and unleashed on the world to like storm the gates of hell in Alaska when we know who we are, for real. Like fully empowered to do what God has called us to do when we know who we are. I mean, I think about it. The thing that you most identify with, it's where you spend your time. It's where you spend your money. It's where you invest your life. Like for you, if it's your body, if your body is your idol, it's the thing that defines you, nobody's got to force you to go to the gym. Nobody's got to force you to eat right. Nobody's got to force you to take little selfies, right? Point fives, right? Whatever it is, nobody's got to force you to do that. Why? Because that's the thing that defines you. If you're defined by being like an like a upper-class, white-collar, hard-working, successful businessman, then nobody's got to force you to get the business suit. Nobody's got to force you to spend time at work. You're probably, you know, maybe working too much. Why? Because that's who we are. If you're here and you're like, I'm the opposite of that. I'm a blue-collar, work with my hands, redneck, beer drinking, you know, mud truck driving. Nobody's got to force you to put a new Chevy 350 in your truck. Like, you do that because you love it. 
You're obsessed with that thing. It defines you. And so it's just where you put your energy. Listen, when the church knows who she is in Christ Jesus, we will be mobilized and fully empowered to reach our city for the gospel. But only if the church knows who we are. So I want to ask you once again, who are you? You see, here's the truth. You can't find yourself through yourself. You can only find yourself through Jesus. You can't find yourself through expressing yourself or being affirmed by other people or pursuing your truth in the world. It's just never going to work. You can only find yourself through Christ. This is so anti-cultural. This is why Christianity has always been such a subversive movement in the world. Is because we just see this flipped upside down way of living that actually leads to life and peace and hope. That's what God has for us. I'll close with this. Um, back in October, famous actor uh, named Matthew Perry passed away. You guys know who Matthew Perry is? Uh, Chandler, yeah, Chandler from Friends passed away. I was reading some uh, of his memoirs online this week and ran across a quote that I thought was extremely insightful. He was I don't, know, I don't know where he was with God when he passed away. But what I know from reading this is that he was very close. Here's, here's what it says. He says, I, I was pretty sure fame could change everything. And I yearned for it more than any other person on the face of the planet. I needed it. It was the only thing that would fix me. I was certain of it, but the magic never lasts. Whatever holes you're filling seem to keep opening back up. It's like whack-a-mole. Maybe it was because I was always trying to fill a spiritual hole with a material thing. I don't know where he died in relation to God. But based on that, he was this close to seeing his need for Jesus. So the question is, are you there? And are you ready to step into an identity in Christ this morning? Uh, on your seat was a little action card. Would you pull that out real quick? This is something we do. If you're new to ACF, I know, uh, kind, of a, kind of a weird thing for some of you. But uh, every week, we don't want to waste our time together. We actually want to do something about what we learn here. And so we fill out these little cards, drop them in the basket on the way out. And all we're going to do is text you that we're praying for you and uh, let you know that we're behind you. And we do. We, we stop. We pray for these needs and uh, pray for you that you can actually take a step forward. Maybe for you, you just want to check that first box. And you want to begin a relationship with Jesus and find your identity in him today. I want you to know that's a free gift. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a free gift to you. It's being offered to you this morning. Maybe you need to identify your primary source of identity. If I ask you who you are, you're like, I don't know. I don't know. Once again, what's the thing that keeps you up at night? What's the thing that you invest your time in so naturally? What's the thing that you invest your money in so naturally? It's probably the thing that defines you most. Maybe you need to let go of what's been said about you. Uh, has, has some word been spoken over you since you were a kid and, and you need Jesus to set you free from that word? I, I want to encourage you to, if there's a word that is defining you today, you need to tell your ACF group about it. Share it. Be honest. Say, hey, I got I to gotta get free from this word because this is hurting me. And maybe today you need to remind someone else of who they are. You're here and you're like, Brian, I know who I am in Jesus. Praise God. If that's you, you got to help someone know who they are today. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for us. Father, uh, thank you so much for this time together, for the chance to pursue an identity that can actually set us free. If you're here in the room, and uh, as I talked about beginning that relationship with Jesus and finding your identity in him alone, 
If you want to do that this morning, just pray with me. Jesus, I acknowledge that I don't just sin, I'm a, I'm a sinner. And that apart from you, my identity is merely in myself, it's in my mistakes, it's in my shortcomings and my failures. But in you, I, I have an identity that is firm and secure, and I can be called blessed and chosen and holy. And I want to receive that today. So God, I pray you would set me free from sin. I pray that I would trust in your grace that you'd be enough for me. God, enough for me when I'm doing well and enough for me when I'm failing. And I receive you and I receive new life today. Father, work in our church. Remind us of who we are. God, for those in the room who have forgotten who they are, those who have called themselves Christians but have never really made you the one they worship but are worshiping some other identity, I pray today would be the day that you would release them from the grip of that idolatry. God, you are the only one who sets us free. We love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.